Yo, you. Yeah, you. Hi. It's me again. Episode 13, baby. We're rolling. We're in this thing. I think we should start with a real something happy, something positive. Let's start at the top, work our way down, right, boys? Dante Wright shooting. So, kind of big news. Unless you're Amish, right? Even the paper probably wrote about this, however. Officer Kim Potter was a cop who stopped a unarmed black dude for a traffic stop. It's disputed whether or not he was stopped over a hanging uh, air freshener from his mirror or whether or not it was expired registration tags. But what transpired was Dante Wright gets out of the car in the video. He's standing, hands behind his back. He squirms, he gets out finds his way back into the driver's seat. At that point, he's reaching for the shifter. There's a male cop finagling him with the seatbelt. There's a female cop whose cam you can see, kind of down by the steering wheel. And she's frantic. This Karen, you know, she can't handle the heat in the kitchen, some would say. And she's not baking a lasagna, boys. She's out here with the blicky trying to enforce law and order. Tough job as is, for a mentally sane, stout, yoked up dude. So imagine a soccer mom. She yells, taser, 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 like 11 times. It's annoying. The male cops, like, we get it. Even the, the black dude's like, I know I'm about to get, like, we heard you. At that point, she pulls out a gun. As a viewer, I'm like, that doesn't look like a taser. And she, bam, 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 bam. She held it almost sideways on some GTA San Andreas shit. Like, it was... Is she gang? Like, I didn't know if she was blood in, blood out or not. And she fires a few times. It's not once. At that point, he has managed his way to the gas. He drives off with the door open. They continue to fire a little bit, but she's exacerbated. She looks to her other male officers and says, oh my God, I just shot him there. Honestly, like, baffled. Like, it's mind-blowing, the amount of incompetence. Really speaks to the larger issue at hand with policing, and it's as simple as, like, you know, just train them a little longer. Like, whatever the the trooper camp is or however long it takes for you to get that gun and badge, buddy, let's, like, add another four weeks. Because there's people clearly that are not prepared in the position where they could potentially end your life, and it's happening kind of a little bit too much. The officer, Kim Potter, has been charged with second-degree manslaughter. And my dude, you know, I don't know if that gets you any street cred. You got clapped up by a blonde-haired PTA mom. like, And she didn't even do it on purpose. It was just for a traffic stop. So no one wins in this. You got a dead, dead male, no street clout, right? No airbrush cool t-shirts. Like, it's it's not that kind of mood. And then you got a mom who now can't support her family, embarrassed herself, and more than anything else, has, has really on the center stage of America, the zeitgeist, our thoughts here. You just look dumb. You're just a dummy. A lot of people take pride in what they do. No, but people would take pride in their work. She probably, up until that happened, if you were to ask her, she's like, yeah, I'm good at my job. People love me. 
right? The potluck, I brought my chili, it was a hit. I think I'm due for a promotion. But that's not the reality. When you shine the light on it, uh, lady, you're really bad at your job. This is some John Taffer, hostile takeover type bar rescue vibes where we're really seeing behind the curtain and you got rats in the kitchen. Not ideal, lady. Big tech, Twitter. Back in the news again today. After they banned Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe, Project Veritas is a supposedly nonpartisan um, investigative journalist organization started by former like corporate blue chip journalists. They traditionally like to shine a light behind old media, um, kind of allow a viewer to see really the thought process from a high level um, of these news organizations like CNN and Fox, MSNBC, like, oh, their producers really did hammer a, a Russia collusion type narrative. And overall, that's how Veritas has gained its clout. They've been around since I was in college, like 2016. Five years later, James O'Keefe on Twitter has almost 1 million followers. He wasn't verified for whatever reason. Every blue check mark journo is, right? If, if you work at HuffPo, you have a blue check. But this dude has almost a million followers, runs a super popular page, website, organization, not verified. So they already didn't like him for whatever reason. But his most recent project was a hidden camera sting where his group released a bunch of videos targeting CNN with leaked audio from months worth of CNN editorial meetings last year where the CNN staffer was quoted as saying that the network deliberately tried to undermine former President Trump and his allies, which obviously if you watch CNN, right, they're not pro-Trump. You don't got to be a, a big brain to figure that out. Still a thing, though. Now, this happened that past week, that story. Not even two days later, Twitter has banned O'Keefe and Veritas from operating on their platform. Now, O'Keefe plans to sue for defamation. The Twitter spokesperson, when reached out to, said that they did this because O'Keefe had been running with fake accounts. That's a vague claim. And that's not even like, who cares? Like, everybody has a burner. Kevin Durant does. But I mean, you know, Twitter blows. Like, if you work for Twitter and you hear this, you blow. Everybody knows you blow. We use Reddit, the true front page of the internet, for my news. And if you're an older person, you're a boomer, and you're like, what is this Reddit? R-E-D-D-I-T dot com. It's wonderful. Bernie Madoff. Wall Street kind of slick talker, piece of garbage, apparently, if you look at his Wikipedia. He died. He officially died. So as did Project Veritas's uh, freedom of speech on Twitter. That died. So did Bernie Madoff. He passed away in prison this past week at the age of 82. And actually, it wasn't even in prison. They wheeled his ass out to a federal hospital. So we paid for it. Congrats, guys. You pay income tax? Well, we put a stint in Bernie Madoff's heart that didn't work. Now, if you don't know, Bernie Madoff ran the largest Ponzi scheme in American history. An estimated $65 billion in financial fraud. Uh, he was arrested in 2008, so right at the start of the financial crisis. 
the last recession, the bubble that burst here. And he was convicted and sentenced to 150 years in federal prison. So this ain't no white collar crime that, you know, we brushed off. He fucked some powerful people over like, and at that point it's like, yeah, you're going to have to pay buddy. And that's what he did. So for the past 12 years plus he's been behind bars, really just chilling out as a grandpa, not fitting in, right? He's got no face tats. I looked no gang affiliations that I know of. Uh, former President Donald Trump wrote that Madoff was, quote, without a doubt, a sleazebag and a scoundrel. That's a great word. Without par. So people of CD morality to begin with, you could say, controversial figures, they don't even like him. They're like, yeah, that dude's weird. And ever since that point when he was locked up, really people, the government, everybody involved has been working to right the wrongs that he caused. Uh, there was an account signed to the liquidation of his investment securities in which more than $14 billion of the $18 billion that he stole has been paid back and restored to the victims of his Ponzi scheme. Which, dude, if my Grammy got swindled on some timeshare type shit, dude, I would be, I would be so, ag- I would be mad. I would be mad. And all those like half a semi-pro fitness models on Instagram that like you're in a Ponzi scheme. There's no way long-term you make money off that oat water or those leggings, whatever it is, you're in it. And the first step is admitting it. I'm in a Ponzi scheme. It feels good to say, right? To admit it to yourself. I wonder if there's like a national... Oh, there is. There's a hotline for people that get taken advantage of in financial situations. Speaking of, I got absolutely diddled this week with Doge. I rode that roller coaster, baby, up, 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 up. By like Wednesday. And then that thing crashed. Clearly a pump and dump. It got up to 40 cents. Now it's hovering around 25 Listen, if you're in there with me, I love you boys. We held the line. Really almost made 5K based off a meme. You got to love it. But from this point forward, Doge is dead to me. And I don't want to hear it anymore because I'm out. I've moved on. I am the battered housewife that had one too many Viceroy Siggies put out on her. That's it, boys. I'm done. Packed up shop. Sold it on Robinhood, deleted the wallet on Coinbase, boys. Like, I'm not messing around. It's awkward. But this is the way of the world with fiat currency. It's all fugazi. It's all fake. I remember from one of my economics classes, we looked into it. This was about four years ago. Right at the verge of when Bitcoin became serious. And in college, a study that I read showed that a professor at an Ivy League school, was adamant on the fact that this isn't based in reality, boys. Like, look, I'll show you. This is why it's bullshit and why long-term, it really is a crapshoot. Like, yeah, you make a ton of money on it, maybe. But if you're smart, the investment overall ain't going to work. It's not. You have to get in and get out, which is hard to do. But this professor created his own 
cryptocurrency. He made it up. He literally made one and like put it on Coinbase. Let's call it Alex Coin, right? ALX is the code. And he found that over a year, he was able to pump ALX's value up into the top 100 chart on the crypto share site, like on the site where people go and and they share their different cryptos and they compare them and they're able to trade them and buy them. He got it into the top 100 in the world in a year and he made it up. Not a real currency, not backed by anything. It's Fugazi. And that goes to show you. But your boy got in and got out unscathed. I made a profit. I will act as if I am a financial institution. I have your best interests at heart. Maybe I'll diversify myself. Get into investing, life insurance, things that regular people understand are a scam. Overall, though, the ride was crazy. I figured I would touch on it, especially now that I'm out. Despite the cute puppy, it's not going to pull me back in. And it started out of nowhere with the help of Elon Musk and some different tweets. Doge is now the number five most valuable cryptocurrency in the world. The total value of Dogecoins in circulation as of today is nearing $50 billion. And that's not bad for something that, like I said, is a joke. And fuck Robinhood. It also, this whole process, I think, has illuminated a light on bad companies. Coinbase is good for crypto. Robinhood ain't. Robinhood was put in a position where a lot of people made a lot of money quick off a meme coin, and they didn't allow investors to sell on that profit. They forced them to hold until they made less money and then sell when they felt comfortable. And that's like illegal, I think. Again, I do not know a lot, very little. Every day I'm surprised at shockingly how stupid I am. But that is one thing I do have a grasp of, and it's at least immoral. So shouts out Doge. We had a wonderful run. It was a nice summer type fling, you know? Maybe I'll get an ankle tat of you. But we're through. And on that note, we are live. So I am very happy to be joined. This is a special episode. It is the 13th episode. So, you know, one of us might spontaneously die. You know, unlucky vibes. However, despite that, we have our first guest, our first long-standing guest, somebody that we've been teasing here at the show for a while, and his name is Matt. Matt, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself there, buddy? Have you heard the good news? Okay. You said that you weren't going to do that. Oh, I fully said I was going to do that. You've been no, warned, but- and now it's happened. We were moving off that. Although it is a funny... G- it is a funny Jesus joke. I do enjoy it. And he has risen, right? Easter happened. He has risen. Easter is past. Yeah, are we in Passover or the thing Ash Wednesday? Is that coming up? Oh god, no. That's that's what starts Easter. Okay. So I missed I guess I missed the train there. Any Ramadan oh, yeah, type stuff bad. going on? You're going to have to wait till next year now. So Aaron Donald, I mean, you're a pit guy, right? You went to pit, you're from pit. Hailed a pit. You've you've uh you eat permanis, right? You're a big uh, big fan? Uh I was actually there last week. And what do you get? What's your regular order? I go back and forth. Um my most frequent order is the Pittsburgher, 
which is steak, but always, always add an egg. Can you explain what they do well and what their sandwiches are? So Permanis is a Pittsburgh godsend slash staple. On their sandwiches, they add the coleslaw and the french fries and just stack it right on there. So you've taken a whole meal and you've just put it in the sandwich form. Uh, It was invented, I guess you could say, for back in the day, like truckers needed a quick meal. So Primani said, fuck it. I'm just going to put it on the sandwich for you and you don't have to fuck around with the sides. So laziness spurned one of the most delicious sandwiches. Correct. Like all good inventions, you come up with the laziest thing possible and that's what you're going to get rich off of. That's exactly what they did. Supposedly the potato chip was invented around me in Saratoga, but is that true? You know, like I feel like that's a myth thing. There is potato chip lane if you ever go to the track. And for me as a kid, like that was enough evidence. That's all I looked into. That was it. So maybe there's some conflicting stuff there. Um, I refuse to Google it. I will not. Um, so speaking of Permanis, Aaron Donald, Pittsburgh legend, sure to be Hall of Famer. Um, this past week, max contract player with the Rams of Los Angeles, got in a fight, an assault, an altercation, you could say, in his hometown, where from early on the report showed that he was being charged with assault, criminal assault, and there was video that was going to correspond and corroborate the defendant's claims. Um, and how many times as well, too, do we see this, right, where Tyreek Hill, uh, who's that running back, Kareem Hunt, right? Yep. Different players in the league that you see their news, you see assault, and you go, yeah, he did it. Like, even, even if you assume it's always backed up with the video of him kicking a woman in the face, like at a La Quinta, you know, in Cleveland or something. So that's what I expected here. However, as you said, uh, Aaron Donald didn't do it. And not only did he not do it, the video came out and showed that Art, this three tech here is a fucking hero. Yeah, he helped them out. Which also led to the defendant's attorney apologizing on Twitter. Like Aaron Donald, you cannot come at this man in any capacity. Like on the field, off the field, he's beaten your guards and he's beaten cases. I mean, when I first saw the picture of the guy, I didn't want to believe that Aaron Donald beat him up. But then you see the picture of him, and it's like, yeah. He had a shine. Maybe he could do that. Yeah, his face was like impacted. His eye was completely swollen. I agree with you, right? So it's like, ah, oh, he didn't do it. Good old Aaron, right? He's, he's a good boy. And then you see the injury. You're like, oh, Aaron did that. And why why get into an altercation with Aaron Donald? Have you seen him? However, this did happen on the south side of Pittsburgh. Yeah, so what's the context of that? Um, south side is like Bourbon Street, except longer and has more bars. Well, this assault occurred at 3 a.m., and that's the thing. It's like, dude, nothing good happens. Really, well, after he was midnight. At an after hours club, too. So that's that's where you can get into some some stuff you know he's popping bottles i know from his instagram he's like got a new girl why is he even he does love pit dude like he's got a house in la 
I mean, he's got the weight room at Pitt named after him now after he gave the biggest donation in Pitt history. So First seven-figure donation. Um, Yeah, it's at the Performance Institute or something. It's named after him now. Yeah, Yeah, it's a big deal. Like, I get it and stuff. But at the same time, it's, you know, dude, you have a house in L.A., right? You're the man. You have a max contract. Like, why don't you just stay out there? But instead, yeah, he can never get away. Yeah, I've seen nothing in this video that even... If anything, we should donate to him. This is like a community service type thing where we pay Aaron back. He is going around breaking up fights. No, I mean, I'm not paying him. He's got enough money. I'm not paying him. But the, I'll pay him in, you know. I'll pay him in kind words. Yeah, and a hello. You know, maybe hold the door open for somebody. Pat, pay it forward. Pass it on. No, um, I'll play devil's advocate here. In that guy's defense, he probably, after said altercation took place. He probably couldn't open his eyes because they're now swollen shut. And he's probably only hearing Donald get out of here. Get out AD. Yeah, that's a good point, right? AD has so much to lose. He was with his brother at the time. He was with other friends who were looking out for him. You see in the video, once Aaron helps the person that's being assaulted, somebody pulls him off and kind of, yeah, goes, dude, this isn't your thing. Like you did what you needed to do. Uh, Let's skedaddle, right? Yep. We got some uh, pit sevens here to smash. And the as you said, right, the, the guy couldn't see anything. His orbital bone was actually broken. I mean, this dude's face was inside of his face, like in the wrong way, in ways that aren't normal. Um, let's see. So yeah, Aaron Donald's innocent. I also wanted to talk about somebody that's also a very innocent, a very good boy, very good player. This is somebody that, you know, puts his pants on one leg at a time and that's julian edelman but he retired this past week he failed a physical because his knee exploded and he's decided to retire he had a i think in total i don't even know nine year career 11 years all of it was with the patriots is he a hall of famer what do you think no now he's a good he's a hall of fame story and why is that he, I mean, he was what quarterback in college, undrafted, came out of nowhere. Had a, he, I mean, he had a good career, but he's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, so Hall he was story, but not a Hall of Famer. He was a quarterback at Kent State, one of those Lamar Jackson type college quarterbacks where he's doing a lot of running as well as passing. Patriots draft him in the seventh round, basically undrafted. I mean, at that point, like Matt said. You can tell your parents that you got drafted, but that doesn't mean you made the team. He does make the team, eventually takes over as a punt returner for Wes Welker when he gets hurt, parlays that into eventually getting a Super Bowl MVP. Now, I pretty much agree with you that he's not a Hall of Famer, and it's an easy argument. I feel like that's you're coming from a place where I can say Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne. These are players that are obviously way fucking better than Julian Edelman, and they're not in the Hall of Fame. But... He has over 6,000 yards receiving. He was the definition of a gadget player, right? So he did return, and he returned proficiently. He, had, he has the Patriots record for punt return for touchdowns. He is the second most productive wide receiver in NFL history in the playoffs. He also has a Super Bowl MVP as a skill position player. The last time we saw that, I don't even know when we saw that, bro. I'm trying to think of a Super Bowl MVP that wasn't a traditional position, and I'm thinking of like Dexter Jackson in 2002 with the Buccaneers, who was a cornerback. 
it's rare. He's done that. So he has three Super Bowl rings and four of the Patriots, which he spent his whole career there. He is a part of their 2010s decade team. Um, in a certain sense, what more did you want him to do? Right? He, you talked he about his story. Of, yeah, but there's a lot of. <laughs> but if you put Julian Edelman in, Heinz Ward has to go in. Well, I probably agree with that. What are Heinz? You want me to read off some stats for you? Yeah. Uh, Julian Edelman, 137 career games. Heinz Ward played in 217, just to give you a baseline. Edelman, like you said, caught just over 600 passes for just under 7,000 yards. Heinz Ward caught 1,000 for just over 12,000 yards. Julian Edelman, 36 touchdowns. Heinz Ward, 85. Yeah, so I will say, even having a quasi-retarded defensive Julian Edelman and him being a Hall of Famer, I kind of out-argued myself. Like, it was hard to even defend him. For his entire career, he didn't have 40 receiving touchdowns. And he was injured a lot. He was very successful, but he lost one of his prime seasons, Julian Edelman did, to an injury. An injury, unfortunately, will end his career here. Unless he does a quick little... Gronk type situation in signs in Tampa, no state tax. Him and Tom Brady can make out, get an eighth ring. Plus, you That's have always, the Tom Brady factor. You're they're throwing the ball seventy percent of the time. In a Bruce Arians offense that just won a Super Bowl, uh, for some reason, Byron Leftwich got no offers as a young former NFL player, black play caller in the league. Right? People talk about Bietemy uh, with the Chiefs in Kansas City. Well, what about Byron Leftwich, who actually won a ring with Tom Brady, who's an asshole? Imagine going to work with Tom Brady every day. I'd fucking kill myself. But he did it successfully. At one point, too, the Bucks don't forget, we're 7-5. And, five. Oh, and yeah. from that point, when the Rams, my Rams, beat them on Monday night, they never lost another game. So talk about somebody that's been in that adversity with some good players, the pressure of having to win with a Tom Brady in that year, on that two-year deal, and he got it done. Um, speaking of Brett Favre, a man, another Chad, another alpha riddled with CTE. He's been speaking out recently, getting some, uh, getting some gigs, getting some promo hits. Maybe he's running out of money. This is a man that did send a dick pic to a Jets uh, beat writer in 2009. People don't talk about that. It did happen. Google it. But Brett Favre, this past week in an interview with USA Today, he said, quote, maybe I should do a Southern accent. Is he, yeah, he is a Southern accent. He's from Mississippi. Oh, yes. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I don't watch anymore, Brett. It's not about the game anymore, Brett. And I tend to agree, Brett. So what he's get, what Brett is getting at, guys, is uh, he wants politics out of the game. He went on to uh, continue to ramble, quote, it's really a shame that we've come to this. Something has to unify us. And I felt the flag standing patriotically because blacks and whites and Hispanics have fought for this country and died in this country. It's too bad. Yeah, end quote. That's what he said. So how do you feel, Matt? How does that make you feel? It's honestly getting harder to watch things because every, every and, and it's not even sports though. It's everything that's involved in our lives. 
you can't watch award shows anymore. Not that I ever have anyway. Truth. Preach. Keep going. I'm getting with you. I'm getting behind you here. I agree. Everything is so ingrained into society now that you can't just enjoy what you are actually watching it for. Yeah, it has to be tangentially connected to like who you are as a person. You know, when, when you sit, when I read what he said in that accent, it's just, uh, it's like, what do you expect? You know, you're going to get some shit. So I don't necessarily think that Brett cares. Honestly, Brett Favre is one of those players that I feel like, similar to Aaron Rodgers, could probably play till he's like right now. Like Brett shouldn't have retired when he did, and he should have just retired like last year because he still could have done it. He has a howitzer and he's southern, and his forehead is so thick. Like, like who's going to fire Brett Favre? Yeah, right. Like they'll be like, Brett, we need you to, you know, just hit the read, right? This is the hot route. We can't have you dicking around and throwing the deep. He's just like, has a fucking big horseshoe lip in a red man long cut. Just nope. Like Brett does what he does. And I appreciate that. I respect that. um, So he has a point. And you want to know who, who also has a point, Matt? Can you, can you take a guess? I'm afraid to even mention names at this point. It's Joe Biden. Joe Biden, our wonderful president and master leader, right? This man, leader of the free world. I will never question what he does because he is nice. And here's what he had to say this past week. Now it's like, Alex, why are you, this is jarring. You're jumping from sports. Why are you jumping to Joe Biden? Trust me, it's connected because Biden calls master's champ. Hideki Matsuyama, Japanese boy, quote unquote, in an odd comment. This is an article from the New York Post. Um, now, quickly, if you don't know, if you live under a rock, if you don't have cable, maybe you're a Mormon. Do Mormons have Anchor? I don't know. They probably have Spotify. And if you do, you know, rate us five stars, give us a little interaction. My wife had her weekend afternoon beverage on the side table and Vito had decided to partake in that. So Vito got hammered today. You have an alcoholic dog? Yeah, he's currently napping. And how old is your dog? Ooh, nine months. And that is not of legal age, correct? I don't know how the dog to people ratio works anymore, but I'm going to guess the under. Now it's one human year to seven dog years. So your dog would be See, six that's years old. Actually, not correct. I saw a chart in Fuck our veterinarian chart. office when I took him to get fixed. Fuck your vet. That it's based. It's based on weight. That is. That is. That is some postmodernist liberal bullshit. According to Brett, the whole seven seven years for every person year. Now it's based on weight. I guess. The weight of the owner or the weight of the dog? Uh, the dog. because The weight of the owner, vet? Really old. Yeah, but what's the weight of the vet? How about that? I'd be like, what about your weight? Well, you can't ask that anymore. They told me to get off the scale. You know what you can't say either? Japanese boy. So President Biden met with the PM of Japan this past week, and they met at the Rose Garden, which is actually pretty dope. I'm sure that's a cool meeting. Quote Biden went on to say, Yoshi and I... Sorry, Yoshi, I know how proud you are. 
the people of Japan are. And you've got a Japanese boy coming over here. And guess what? He won the Masters. He won the Masters. He won the green jacket. End quote. So it's not like he gracefully towed the line and pulled it back in. He just rambled about the green jacket. Um, now, he is the first Japanese-born player to win the Masters. He doesn't even speak English. According to my golf buddies, which, Matt, you you confirmed as well, this is a, this is a player that's been kind of on the rise for a while. He's been close, but this time he just kind of put it together. Anyone low amateur to Masters, I be, believe, exactly 10 years ago. So There's also a uh, photo that went viral of him in the Atlanta airport after winning and how humble he was just kind of chilling on his phone, like sitting in the terminal like everybody else does, just hating their life, waiting for an alcoholic pilot. Um, and he had his green Masters jacket just kind of splayed over the back of his bench seat that he was at in the airport. What What a guy. Right, like I connect with that. It's so personable, so relatable. Um, and then you have the leader of the free world calling you Japanese boy. This whole new sentiment about anti-Asian hate, right? It could, I agree, right? Anti-whatever. I'm. I don't hate anybody, so I'm on board to you know not go up to an Asian person and just slap them because they look different. And you can't do that. The idea that Biden is this super progressive president that cares about everybody's feelings and the second that he has a, an Asian in the Rose Garden he calls one of their most prestigious and famous athletes and and icons a Japanese boy um, it's kind of contradictory you know what's sad though his team was probably in the war room like I mean he could have said something worse it could have well that's what's funny right they're in the like alright I'll take this it's, it, it could have been worse I still Speaking love how he told the one person at his town hall and he called him a lying dog faced pony soldier. Um, or when he called some guy fat, he's like, Hey fat. He's like, Hey fat, you're fat. And then like CNN like cut his mic and they're like, they did like did a promotion for like a back heating pad that you could have. And they like checked right back in and Biden was back under control. Cause they gave him another popper. Now the head of he's the head of the Democratic Party in a sense, right? He's the president. That was the ticket that won. Now we're seeing that same party looking to change some stuff up, ruffle some feathers with the Supreme Court. Um, Democrats, according to NPR, unveil a long shot plan to expand the Supreme Court from nine justices, which is what it's at right now, to thirteen. And why, ironically, did they settle on four? I don't know. Well, if you do the math, four gives them a seven to six majority on the Supreme Court. The, they want the seven. They want the four more. They want the ability to uh, one-up you, buddy, because seven is bigger than six. And seven, eight, nine, as I've been told, this whole plan is called the Judiciary Act of 2021, and it's co-sponsored by Representatives uh, Nadler, Penguin man. <laughs> that is the penguin meme shit his pants shuffle out of screen man. Also Mondaire Jones of New York. That's actually a dope name. And Hank Johnson of Georgia. Now when pressed by some journalists, by some people in the media saying, hey bro, why the fuck are you packing this court? Nadler, Mr. Penguin man said, we are not packing the Supreme Court. We're unpacking the Supreme Court. 
That's one of the top which, quotes of the year by far. If you think about it, still doesn't make any sense. Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey, uh, also one of the co-sponsors, said that by adding justices, it will shore up the public's confidence in the court and its legitimacy in the public's eyes. You know, so the idea of them doing this because the people are clamoring for it. I don't know you, dude. I've never even heard a single person reference the Supreme Court in my adult life. It never happens. I've never heard a person say, boy, we should really add more justices to the court. Yeah, bro. Yeah, in the barbershop when I'm getting my fade. Yeah, the boys are chopping it up about the Supreme Court. Like, yeah, damn, bro. I wish... You know what, bro? Like, fuck the Knicks game. I really... Can we please talk about Supreme Court? Yeah, can we please get into the Supreme Court stuff? Put C-SPAN on now. Turn off ESPN, put C-SPAN on. Yeah, put C-SPAN on. Ted Cruz is litigating. So that's not reality, okay? Um, They're doing this, like you said, for the 7-6. For that 7-6, baby. And uh, that's the long and short of it. So... I kind of think with this majority, what they're ensuring themselves that they want to do, especially with good old Ruthie dying, that bitch croaked, they wanted her for another year or two, is they're, they're going to kind of put the final nail in the coffin with all these ridiculous regulations and finally kind of present themselves as like the anti-gun party. Um, it also helps, you know, the idea, AOC, of course, didn't respond. Um, she didn't think that it would be within her best interest the dreams and aspirations of all the investors into the BLM movement. So this past week, Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors uh, was raked over the coals. She's facing some backlash after a New York Post report revealed that she spent over a million dollars this past month buying and snatching up real estate. And in that meantime, she's gotten rich. Um, she describes herself as a Marxist who spent more than $1.4 million this past month on a 2,400-square-foot home in Los Angeles. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the American way. you know. Make your money through a business, perhaps embezzle a little bit of it, and buy some property. You know, America's for sale, as Disney said. And Disney, as we know, definitely didn't hate specific groups of people based on inherent traits they can't control. Um, but this past property with the $1.4 million purchase now gives her five total, including a 3.2-acre custom ranch that she has in Georgia, which includes an airplane hangar and access to a 2,500-foot uh, runway. Colors herself basically had to speak to these claims she gave an interview and said you know above all else i am loyal to my family and because of this organization i made some money and i'm going to put my family first like i'm spending this for my family like we're all on i'm putting them on and to act like i'm not supposed to do that to act like i don't have the ability to do that now and i'm not going to take advantage of it and help my family is stupid and the interviewer was like oh okay but do you need five houses to take care of your family? Right. And again, it's not like they're working with peanuts here. The The National Black Lives Matter organization has said, and it's quoted as saying that it's raised approximately $90, $90 million in the past calendar year. Uh, Colors has 
adamantly said that she has not received any of that money since 2019. But I mean, BLM has been big since I was in college. I'm sure she's been getting that Soros money. You know, you throw that in Doge and it's growing. BLM is is such a, such a polarizing thing because it deals with literally the deaths of children. And a lot of times, even if the cop was justified, it's still awful. Like still the cop got fired or has PTSD or killed themselves or, you know, the family's getting money from, from the district or from the county because it's still a wrongful death. Like it's terrible all around. And, you know, she's taking the emotion of that and parlayed that into, you know, some charcuterie boards at the pool house. I do love me some parlays. I, I think it's a good perspective, though. I don't really gamble. I just recently learned what, you know, the minus means and the plus means pertaining to the spreads. You know, I understand what ML means, money line. Like, I'm not a total retard anymore, but to act like I know what I'm doing is so far from the truth. And our demo loves gambling. So I think moving forward, we'll probably touch on some stuff. I know you said, are there any sports that you think maybe are underrepresented in gambling, like NASCAR or or soccer or any teams that you think people should start hammering out on a Um, long-term bet? uh, Basketball, I actually do really well on, and I hate the NBA. So that's odd AF. But So maybe then it's just that the NBA simply currently is more consistent. Yeah, it has good lines. I think the NBA is more consistent in that it's uh, not easier to predict what's going to happen, but like the MLB, NHL, is hockey is just terrible to bet on because anything can happen. All, all it takes is like scoring. a hot goalie to just not just fuck you up. But NASCAR is fun to bet on. I was never – I used to watch NASCAR as a kid. Then I stopped. And then it came back last year and nothing else was on. So I watched it and then I started betting on it and it's a thrill. Soccer might be my favorite non-traditional sport to bet on. And you're talking European soccer, not that fucking Don't what, what they that. call football, not Jesus that fucking Christ. MLS bullshit. So why do you say so vehemently do not bet on the MLS? The MLS is just terrible to watch. And I mean, so I'll, watch, actually, I'll watch it if... I bet on it, but the MLS is just once you get used to watching like the Premier League, Champions League, things like that, you can't watch the MLS. It's bad. So yeah, so European soccer, the Premier League does have at least some skill and it's exciting. Maybe some back and forth, whereas MLS is literally like a pudgy dude from Europe that blew out his knee in 08. Um if you want to lock Probably your biggest soccer lock. I'm a Chelsea fan. I swear to God, I think I bet the under on every Chelsea game, and it's uh, pretty consistent. So you heard that this week. Matt's take it to the fucking bank. Slam dunk that shit is on Chelsea's Premier League matches this upcoming week. If you're hearing this, bet the under on my bookie, whatever the fuck you use. Then go over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to Pierce Podcast, and go ahead and rate us five stars. Because it makes my heart happy. Wow, we went through all our topics. That was good. Good pace. Ah, oh, that was good. Yeah, and I can edit it too. Um, I'm going to post it and put a fucking disclaimer to be like, I am not a gambling expert. If you lose money, please don't sue me. And that's a show, boys.
So yeah, breakthrough. We're into the teens. The thing's rolling. Show slightly grown. We hit 300 total plays. Thank you guys so much. Like it's pretty crazy and humbling, honestly. Let's make it to 500. Yeah, I'm in a good spot. We're going to have a run this summer. And y'all have some more stuff for you next week. I'll be talking to you. Be safe, y'all. Peace.